Welcome to another Wednesday interview from the Sustainable Futures Report. I'm Anthony Day. I hope to bring you a regular episode of this podcast on Friday, but as I said last time, it's half-term holiday and I may struggle to get it done. There's another Wednesday interview for you here and there'll be another one next Wednesday and the Wednesday after that. Here's today's. Agriculture is crucial in our campaign against the climate crisis. Without agriculture, of course, we'd all starve. But agriculture is a major source of greenhouse gas emissions. Overuse of fertilisers is creating nitrate pollution and agriculture uses vast amounts of water, which is becoming increasingly scarce. Today, I'm talking to Ori Benner, CEO of Supplant. Ori, welcome to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you for having me, Anthony. It's a pleasure. As I've just mentioned, water is crucial to agriculture. Now, I understand that Supplant uses electronics, artificial intelligence and big data to get the most from every last drop. Tell me how you do that. Um, first of all, um, some statistics. So 71% of all freshwater on Earth is actually used to irrigate crops. And um, it's an important uh, fact, I think, because saving water has to come, first of all, from irrigation. This is where we started from. Um, the, the way we do that is specifically um, by finding a way through plant sensors. We put sensors on the trunk and on the fruit and we measure in micron levels every 10 minutes, the growth patterns, the behave patterns, utilizing specific AI technology in order to understand and to foresee how the plant will react in correlation to every drop of water. Meaning there isn't um, the models that are being used are usually looking at the soil. We want the soil wet or we want it dry, but in most cases, there isn't a correlation between the amount that you irrigate and the amount of water the plant will actually use. This is the most basic notion. Now, initially we have developed a system that takes this plant data and irrigates autonomously uh, through it. And in this process, like there is in many, many startups, we found a gold mine, or we found a way to shorten the cycle of creating an irrigation model from an industry average of 10 years to six weeks. This is the bedrock of our technology. Now, if you dive into this a bit more, then you understand that most of the models having been so complex to develop have been developed in the 80s and 90s. And we all know that the climatic behavior, the weather patterns that are becoming so different than what they used to be are totally unrelevant to the current situation and the time that the models were built, meaning it is a totally different story because the seasons actually changed. And I'll finish with a, I'll finish with a small uh, quote I, I like from one of our customers, he said, Agriculture, growing crops used to be like baking a cake in the oven. It was a recipe. Every season I did the same thing and got the same result. Now it's like cooking a cake, a cake on a wildfire. This is where we are today. So models that are being constantly developed and improved allow us 
to bring the um, technology of climate adaptive irrigation that is fit to today's reality. This is the gist of it. Okay, well, thank you very much. So if I understand it, what you're actually doing is using your electronics and software to monitor the physical growth of the plant rather than just looking at the humidity of the soil in which it is growing. Now, this obviously exactly. means that you're, well, I believe that the plants that you're working with are avocados and with citrus. So they are relatively high value fruit. Uh, it's a very specific type of um, uh, analysis. And if I'm correct, also, you're using trickle, uh, trickle irrigation. In other words, you're feeding the water directly to each individual plant. Is that correct? Um, not exactly. We have over 30 crops that are commercial. Some of them are broad acre, like cotton and uh, corn and sugar cane and uh, sugar beets and um, it's not only high uh, density high value crops though the majority of growers that can afford a sensor-based technology usually grow high value crops regarding irrigation no we sample every 10 hectares every 20 hectares a specific pattern of behavior of a plant and provide an irrigation regime that it that is constantly adapting and relevant to a much wider area. So it, uh, we're not giving a specific irrigation command to every tree, mainly because it's not possible. I will say it's a matter of cost. If a customer wants higher density, obviously he will have higher accuracy. Um, I think that our new line of product is doing uh, bridging the gap of between the farmers that need it most, hence most of the farmers on earth, which are smallholders, which are as um, sensible to climate change as anyone else, but can't afford or to say the least, this type of technology. And this is, I think, the next challenge of climate adaptive agriculture, which is basically the challenge of growing food in the 21st century. Right now, I see from your website that it's not only the actual conditions around the plant that you're working on, you also build in weather forecasts. Exactly. Yeah, you have to have the ability to forecast because most of the implications of an extreme heat event, for example, are dealt with four or five days before, in order to pass an extreme heat event like we saw two years ago in Australia, well, before everybody was talking of, about COVID in December 2019, there were three days with over 45 degrees in Australia. This is what created the wildfires that were on the news. And they, we saw that our system gave recommendations to irrigate specific timings three, four days before. And if you give the plant enough ability to prepare, to uptake enough water, then you are able to pass this event with minimum to zero damage. So you have to forecast this. You can't deal with extreme heat events or weather patterns and events in real time. Right, so you're operating in Australia as well as in Israel. Are you uh, spreading your, uh, your company across other countries in the world? So we, our main markets are Australia, Mexico, Argentina, South Africa. We're also working in Spain, 
These days we've signed a strategic agreement that in three years we will monitor and irrigate 100% of the dates in the UAE. Yeah. Irrigating dates in the UAE is a $600 million question a year. We have shown three years straight the ability to have the exact amount of field with 43% water decrease on average. So um, this brought us to one of the first commercial implementations of the Abraham Accords, actually. So, yeah, we are spreading. And the most exciting news lately is that our products for smallholders, which is completely senseless, but providing them with the models, we have just onboarded half a million small corn growers in Kenya, most of them women, actually, um, cultivating less than a hectare. But for the first time, we're able to uh, bring this technology to these parts of the world and these types of growers as well. And when you uh, implement your systems in these relatively remote areas, it, it must have it must need energy to operate it. So, how do you, how do you cope? Uh, is it solar powered, or, or what happens? Solar powered um, and um, filling up batteries. The it's a complex issue of putting hardware in fields. No doubt about it. Energy is one of them. Maintenance is another. But um, you have to have specific um, hardware that is very low on energy. There's no other way of doing so. So you're, you're talking yes. Um, this will include pumps, of course, I suppose, and that, that will be a major use of energy. So we are sitting on top of the irrigation infrastructure, not replacing it. We uh -huh. are providing the irrigation infrastructure, whatever it is, with the best uh, way and models to utilize it. But you're right, uh, on pumps or the ability to bring a drop of water to a specific plant, is very, very energy intense. I mean, in, in most parts of the world today, the cost of energy is way higher than the cost of the drop of water itself, which is another issue for another day, perhaps, of specifically the right way to price water. Um, but this is another discussion. But in most cases, electricity will be a bigger problem, bigger cost to the grower than water. Really? Well, given that you are making the best use of the water by using the optimum amount, are you confident that you will have sufficient supplies to be able to continue with um, supporting agriculture? Sufficient supplies of water is a, a dramatic issue, but um, I think the point is not something you can control like the supply side of the water. I mean, mega droughts is a reality today. You can't walk around it. The ability to grow the maximum with a certain amount of water is the question that farmers are starting to ask them. Not to grow the maximum that we, that, you know, the optimum, but how to utilize the amount of water we do have in order to take the best out of it. So. This question will always stay relevant. I've had the, let's say, the privilege of uh, working with um, 
farmers in South Africa, the Western Cape, and the year after they stopped the counting of day zero. And uh, we were water was about to run out of the taps. And you saw over there that the, the basic thing that every government would do was 70% of water are going in the Western Cape to irrigate uh, wine grapes and citruses mostly. The main thing that they did next year uh, was to cut water quotas in half. And then this year, it was the best results we've ever achieved because we know exactly how to utilize the best out of half of the amount. Now, most of the farmers lost yields, but we lost much less. Right. Well, as we draw this to a close, uh, you're obviously aware there's a major climate conference coming up next month. And a lot of people are very despondent and there's lots of warnings uh, and so on. How do you see the future? What's, what's your prediction? McKinsey research actually shows that 20, the 2030s will be the first decade that technology will not be sufficient enough in agriculture to beat the damage of climate change, meaning in a reality where the world until 2050 needs to produce 70% more in order to sustain humanity, it is actually going, the amount of fields are actually going to decline because technology and progress aren't uh, enough today in order to bridge this gap. Now, what they, the point here is connectivity. This is the trillion dollar question we're trying to answer these days of, how do you provide these models or technology in places where you can't really connect sensors or technology? Because the only way will be that way, to make technology even more efficient in order to bridge this gap. Statistics, projections look not, not promising to say the least these days. And sadly, it is something that is only going to go to the extreme. So more and more capital, more and more uh, talent should uh, be tapped and is tapped today to places that are trying to deal with this, growing food and this climatic reality. So it's a tremendous challenge to plant and others and many other companies of super talented people are trying to take upon themselves. Um, humanity has proven before that it is able to uh, always uh, try and figure out more and more ways to be more productive. I'm optimistic, though, there is a huge warning sign ahead of us. And you're seeing it on a daily basis that um, climatic phenomena that used to happen once every 100 years are wiping out every year um, thousands and thousands of hectares. And 30% um, of Mexico's citrus growing area was lost to the cold that we saw in Texas. Uh, six months ago. This is one example. This is billions of dollars going to waste. And um, this is what we are trying to deal with. And I hope that um, uh, the pessimistic uh, projections uh, will be proven wrong. This is all I can uh, hope for. I'm sure we all agree with you on that. Ori, thank you very much for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report today. Thank you so much, Anthony, for the pleasure. Ori Benner of Supplant. You'll find the company's website at supplant.me.
That's supplant.me. I just want to make it clear that these interviews are not advertorial. The Sustainable Futures Report accepts no advertising, sponsorship or subsidies, and I have total editorial control. Of course, I'm always grateful for the support of my patrons, who pay a small monthly contribution to help me cover my costs. If you would like to join their number, you're more than welcome. Find the details at patreon.com slash sfr. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sfr. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report's weekly interview. Next Wednesday, you'll hear about the World Cement Association. But before that, on Friday, I hope to bring you your regular episode. Until next time. Thank you.